You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? It's great to be with you guys, and I'm going to echo the words of Misty Sanders of, yes, it is amazing to be in the presence of God. I, I pray that whatever uh, you walked in the door with, every one of us, if I can just make you feel a little bit more comfortable, walk through those doors with something, okay? We can get on that same page, but it's in the presence of God that he can meet us exactly where we are. Let us know that we're not alone. Let us know that he's right there with us in the midst of every one of our troubles. Can we agree on that? Yeah, amen, amen. Uh, for you this morning, I haven't had a chance to do this in a little while, uh, but I wanted to be able to just pray over our giving. And the way that I like to do this is I always like to take out whatever represents our giving. Uh, for many folks, it's your wallet, but for me, it's my phone. And I always take out my phone to do this because I just want to make sure uh, that I'm under the authority of God, that I'm under this umbrella that God so, is he after our money? No, but there's a way that we put our trust in him that says, I trust you above myself. I trust you above this economy. I trust you, I trust you against anything that this world can throw at me. You are number one in my life, and I put you as number one. Amen? So whatever it is that represents your giving, if you will, just do me a favor, get it out. Let's pray and just cover over that right now. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to get into your presence. Lord, just like that song says, you are great, and we worship you. And Father, we submit now to you just this process of giving, this process of, of our tithes coming back to you. And Father, as we do this, Father, we submit to your word and, Father, we just ask for your covering. Father, this is your economy. You don't fit by the guise of what this world can throw at us, but, Father, we fit by your economy. And so, Father, I just ask that as we give this, first and foremost, would you bless it to reach a hurting world? But, Father, would you also, as, as submission to you, would you cover each and every single one of us? Father, would you bless us to, like your word says, where you overflow the storehouses. Father, you know our needs, but Father, we know that you don't give just so we can get more. But Father, you give to us so that we can be a blessing to the people in our world, to the hurting, to needs that arise. And so, Father, I ask, would you richly bless this congregation? They're generous. And so, Father, we just pray that over every single person. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Bless you guys as you give. I believe they had it on the screen behind me of the different ways that you can give. Uh, we're excited about next weekend's series. We're going to be talking about this topic of generosity. Uh, and uh, I just want to ask for you to make sure that you're here for this reason. Uh, because there's, there's a word that God has for us around the heart of generosity. And I don't think it's exactly what you're thinking. And so we want to expose uh, what the Bible says about it and that we as a church really embody the heart of what God goes after around this topic of generosity. And so join us next week as we launch that series. Um, this weekend, we have a special weekend for you. You can tell our stage is set a little bit different. It might look a little bit like your living room or maybe how you wish your living room looked. <laughs> Mine doesn't look that neat, but that's okay, Right? Uh, we have a special uh, guest here for you. I'll introduce the panel here in, in just a moment. Um, they're getting ready to come up to the stage, but let me set the stage for us here this morning. Uh, this past year, uh, Megan, Luke, myself, uh, my wife Macy, we got away for a couple days, and what we were doing was we were, we were really praying, seeking, dreaming about, God, what would you have uh, put on our hearts one of those topics that we just felt like God was really putting a burden on our heart for this year and the years to come is this topic of missions. And as we talked about it, what I simply did in the notes is I, I just simply wrote down a verse. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Wrote it down in our notes, and we kind of moved on a part of it. But it has been a verse that uh, has been a prayer of ours. And here's what Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says. It says, hey, you're going to receive something. You're getting ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and when it comes, I need you to do something. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to be my witness. I need you to be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in all of Samaria, and I don't want you to stop there because I want you to go to the ends of the earth. 
that was the mandate. And that really has been our prayer that, God, would you, would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds? Would you, would you draw people close to us that as you put this heart for missions, would you just, would it be about you? Would you open those doors and would you close the doors that need to happen? And he's been doing that um, ever since. And he, here's the reason, reason why, is the harvest is plentiful. There is a great harvest that is in our world, and you're getting ready to hear of uh, uh, many of those different areas. But simply put, our heart is that this year is that we'll continually increase our awareness to missions locally, nationally, and globally. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the harvest field. Amen? Let me open your eyes, and then I'm going to introduce the panel to it. Here's what that harvest field looks like. As a globe, we have passed a pretty major milestone. I don't know if you realize this, but a few months back, we passed the 8 billion marker. There's over 8 billion people walking, living, breathing on this earth. Research scientists have, and however they do their research, uh, but the common consensus is that 2.5 billion of those 8 billion people are believers. They're Christians. And if you believe that every single one of those people are actually believers, let's split it at 2.5. Some quick math will give you 8 minus 2.5. What are we left with? 5.5 billion people. If you said another number, it's okay. We'll give you another chance, right? But 8 or 5.5 billion people who are far from God, who, who their destiny is a Christless eternity. And so when I say that the harvest is absolutely plentiful, man, does it not make sense that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, okay? Now, we have a strategic missions partner that is going to be a part of our panel. His name is Adrian DeVisser. He is no stranger to this stage, uh, but he is a man that is doing exactly what that song said. In the, the, I think it's the second song, which there's one less going to hell. And he's doing that all over this globe. And I can't wait for you to hear what he's been up to. And might I add, many of you, or let me just say some of you, you may not go to some of these places that you're going to hear about today. You may never physically go, but your generosity, your, your commitment to, to giving and to tithing, you go there. It's because of your investment that we're able to partner with him at the level that we're able to partner with. And these stories, I don't want you to think of them as some long distance story. No, it's because of your investment that we're able to do as much. And what I'm believing for is that mandate that he put us on the beginning of the year is only going to grow higher and higher. Amen? Amen. So without further ado, let's introduce your panel. If you guys will come on up. For those of you who are, who are brand new to uh, this church, um, I'm one of the lead pastors. My name is Dave Ammons. I'll be a part of the panel. Uh, this is Adrian DeVisser. He is one of our very strategic missions partner who bases himself in Sri Lanka, but as you will see, is not just Sri Lanka. There is a global impact there. So excited to see you there. Uh, over here is our founding pastor, Pastor Mike Lewis. And in the middle here, we have our other lead pastor. This is Luke Turner. All right? All right, so we're going to go ahead and launch right into this. And I think the first question that I want to lead off, just to, for, for those of you who may not have any context, maybe have never met you, Mr. Adrian, I'm actually going to throw the first question over to Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, would you just kind of open us up with, what's the history? What, what was the beginning look like? How did this relationship that we so richly benefit from, how did it even begin? Well, Dean and I were serving in a church, associate pastors in Columbia, and uh, the lead pastor there uh, was friends with Adrian, and so Adrian came to the States and went to school here. As a matter of fact, a year after this church started, I think, we started in 1987, and so he came, and so he got involved in that church after we came and planted this church, and so the pastor there, Glenn Anderson, brought Adrian to Charleston to meet us and to be a part of this church in terms of introdu the introduction. And uh, Adrian, that was a long time ago, and one of us are getting old, and it's not me. I don't think it's me either. <laughs> it may be David and Luke. I feel it some days. 
I felt it this morning. 22 years ago. And so ever since then, we have been uh, supporting Adrian and been over to Sri Lanka, and he's been here a number, a number of times, about every year, year, every couple of years. So a long time ago, Adrian. Uh, I just want to say thank you for having me back again. It's such a joy and a privilege. When I came to your country as a student, I was working for a youth organization called Youth for Christ. But having spent that year, when I went back home, I recognized that God was calling me to be involved in church planting. But I never had a church background. I came from not a Christian family in that sense. I was involved with the youth ministry, reaching out to young people. I had no understanding of what a church should be or what a church should look like, but I only felt that God was calling me into a church planting situation. So when I came here, when I met Pastor Mike and Dean, you know, my heart was drawn to Cathedral of Praise. The main reason that my heart was drawn, I saw something very significant, which I had never experienced in any other part of the world that I've traveled. What I saw was the whole concept of grace was not only taught, but it was modeled over here. Then I saw Pastor Mike and Dean and the family, and I saw a home that was filled with grace. And I began to grapple with this idea. It says, there is a church of grace, and there is a family of grace. And as I have grappled over the years, I recognized this. You start with the stable home of grace, and you give rise to a church that is stable with grace. We have tried to do the opposite. We have tried to develop a stable church and a stable home. But it really happens the, on the other contrary. It's a stable home that gives rise to a stable church. As I began to grapple, and I was planting churches in Sri Lanka and other Asian countries where grace does not exist. We are a graceless community because Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam, there is no gracious God that reaches out to you. And if you don't have a gracious God who reaches out to you, then you become a legalist. You have to redeem yourself. In contrast to that, what I saw here was so refreshing that I told myself, that's the model of church that I want to establish, and that's the model of church planting I continue to do in Sri Lanka and other parts of the world. You have blessed me, you have blessed our church planting movement, and you have not only blessed me and blessed our church planting movement, but what I learned from here is what I take now to the other parts of the world that God opens up for me to minister. In most of the countries that I move into now, grace is absent. I'm teaching a lot right now in the failed Soviet bloc, like Uzbekistan and other countries. And it's amazing how the gospel of grace and what you have modeled here is becoming so relevant to the people of other parts of the world. So I come here to say thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mike and all of you guys. Every time I come here, the graciousness of your people is unmistakable. It's like written all over. This is a church of grace. And it happens only when a man and a woman models grace in their home and that overflows into the church and the church becomes a place of grace. Adrian, <clears throat> tell them about, just give them an overview of your ministry and what all you do, Asian access, uh, the countries you're involved in. Give them an overview real quick if you could. Before I say anything about that, I need to tell you that I always see myself as that little boy in the scriptures when Jesus was to feed the 5,000. There was a young boy who had a couple of loaves of bread and some fishes, some fish. And that's me. 
I don't come with all of the qualifications needed for what I'm doing. I come as a broken human being, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and empowered by His grace to do what I do. Not only the work that I do in Sri Lanka, but God has opened many doors for me to minister all across the Asian continent. I travel to places like Japan. I travel to places like China, to India, Pakistan, almost all of those countries. And it's, it's interesting for me, as I again need to say that, I do not go as someone who is competent to minister to all of these masses, but I go as a broken person. But God has opened doors that I would never have imagined that he would have opened for me. And I stand, or I'm seated at the moment, just to say, it's just the grace of God. And it is not only for me, it is for every single one. And I, when I saw the young people on the platform, my heart was thrilled. And this is my message for you. It is not anything that you have, but it is just the grace of God that calls you and empowers you. Do not look down on yourself. You'll be surprised what the grace of God can take you and mold you and how he can make you to be a blessing to the nations. Acts 1.8 is true. Some people are trying to downplay Acts 1.8. They say, that is for the church of the past. No, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And I believe that God is calling this church to model the message of grace and impact the world. And that's my prayer, that this church will become one of the most significant churches in this country, not because it wants to be significant, but because you have a harvest and you have the potential to be the church that can reap the harvest in many parts of the world. Adrian, I love this that process. When we were talking uh, in the office this past week, that, that John chapter 1 verse of, of this, this balance between grace and with truth, and you, you began to highlight how that's really being played out, even in your community, but how you've kind of taken that beyond just Sri Lanka. Could you expand a little bit on what that grace and truth has meant in Sri Lanka and how you're carrying that out with some of the ministries that you're having? I think you'll see the verse on the screen now. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, he says, he was full of grace and truth. Now, I'm not trying to change anything that is there. But as I look at that verse, he was full of grace and truth. And that's what Jesus modeled on this earth. He came to this world and he extended grace to people. Because we are hurting people, we are insignificant people, and in that sense, we have a baggages that we carry that comes from our childhood. One good example of this is, you remember the lady that was caught in act of adultery? All of the guys were after her. They wanted her blood. They wanted her killed. Jesus would not answer them. He was writing something, but he was waiting for the appropriate time. And at the appropriate time, he said, go ahead and do it, but let it be those who have not sinned. Everybody slipped out. At least we can give them that credit for that. And then this lady was standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus said, woman, where are those who condemn you? That's grace. And then he said, neither do I condemn you, which is truth. Throughout the scripture, as I read through the life of Jesus, that's what I found. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. Now, having established that theologically, let me look at my country and the part of the world that I live in. We live in a country where Christ is not recognized. Christianity is rejected. In most of the Asian countries, the church is less than 10%, and in many countries, it is less than 1%. And in the Middle Eastern countries, it is just almost, some places, just slightly more than 1% or less. 
you are talking to non-people who do not have an understanding of the gospel. So what happens when I start with truth? When I start with truths of Christianity, it immediately clashes with the truths of Buddhism. And there is persecution. There is rejection. I have experienced persecution. I have experienced rejection. Two of our churches have been burned down. And then I began, as I began to grapple, I realized that if I start with grace, grace will open the door for truth. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, there is no grace. So when you begin with grace, their eyes are they're wide open. Grace, God is willing to accept us. To me, I believe grace opens the door for truth. So our strategy for evangelism is to go into neighborhoods, identify with people, and be the gracious community that God wants us to be. And as you become the gracious community, people begin to notice that in a graceless world, there is someone who cares and loves and is gracious to me. And when that happens, the door opens for truth to be received. And hundreds and hundreds of people have come to know the Lord because we have used this strategy, grace before truth. And I'm beginning to realize that even in your part of the world now, the younger people are looking for a gracious savior. There was a time where there was hard hell brimstone fire messages were preached. And I feel the younger people are responding more to a gracious approach because grace opens the door for truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Adrian, has, he's very humble, and he won't tell you a lot of what he's doing, but he does incredible stuff. I got to go uh, a few years back. Pastor Mike and I went to see a lot of the stuff that he was doing, and we got to start a work in Cambodia with sex trafficking and and freeing some of those girls. Uh, it, and it's just incredible, all the stuff that he has that's going on. But if you can, touch a little bit on the, those efforts. Uh, as I went into Cambodia, perhaps, I went there about 15 years ago. And as I walked the streets in the night, my heart was really broken. Because it's like a carnival. The carnival is not entertainment. Little girls are sold. When I say little girls, girls seven, eight, nine, ten, and you can purchase a girl for $200 and you can have her as your sex slave. When I saw that, my heart was broken. Can you imagine your daughter, your granddaughter, or your sister being sold for $200? US and I stood there, stood there and I prayed. I said, Lord, you told me, love your neighbor as yourself. These are my neighbors. So I went to one of these places and I saw it my own eyes, the girls who were sold. And I cried out to God and said, God, help me. I don't come from a rich country. I don't have all of the resources, but you are my God. You." You own the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. If it is your will, you will provide. And so we prayed with the pastors in Cambodia. We have now built a safe home. Young girls can be rescued. In some cases, we just pay the $200 and get the girl back and give them a life and send them back to school. And then I saw that in Cambodia, there's a history that took place. There was a guy, a crazy guy called Kerma Rouge or Pol Pot. He killed three million of his own people in Cambodia. The education system is broken. And I prayed with my friend there and my pastor. And we have now established a school where hundreds and hundreds of young children can go to school and find education. For me, the gospel is Jesus Christ died on the cross and we are set free by his blood. But at the same time, the gospel demands that I love my neighbor as myself. How can I go to sleep 
How can I be happy when I know a little child, because of poverty, somebody sold her, and she's a sex slave, even tonight? We are there to make a difference. To me, I have coined the word now, you and I are called to be world changers. Not just play church, but the church becomes the, the platform out of which we do great exploits in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and bring redemption to people. One of the things we were talking about is, is how he has these, these ideas, and, and I love that they don't just stay in the church. And that, that line that he says, uh, that, that this is the place where great exploits can kind of go out. And if I can go back on, on what you said around grace and truth, one of the things, and it kind of makes sense, as he was talking, you know, for all of us, when somebody compliments our children, all of a sudden, you're now my favorite person because you agree with what I see, right? Whether it's true or not, I don't care. I just, I love you, right? And so there's this concept that he has of how much he cares for his people. And not only does he care for them, but he gets practical. He meets them exactly where they are. And out of this, we're seeing this kind of play out, not only in his home country, but he's taken this very process to a lot of different areas around the world. So Adrian, would you talk about how the practical steps that you have taken from the piggeries and the different things that you have done and how that's now even playing out, I believe you said, in Japan with uh, A1 to A3. Explain that whole journey as well. To me, I go on the basis that God called me and called all of us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, you know, if every one of us go back to our neighborhood and begin to love people, not just to bring them to church, but love them sacrificially, really care for them. And then as we begin to sacrificially care for people, the gospel is highlighted. And then sharing Christ makes a difference. In my country and our part of the world, I saw so many children, not only in Cambodia, in many places where there is no food. In places like Bangladesh, I have seen with my own eyes and I watched with tears in my eyes young kids picking food from the garbage and eating. I traveled to some of these most poverty-stricken countries. And every time I go, I'm challenged to make a difference. And I also believe that answer is not just to hand out money, because that's a black hole you cannot cover. I come from a poor family. I come from a very poor home, so I understand the pain of poverty. And the, the pain of poverty is not so much hunger, but as rejection. And I know what these young children are going through and what they will grow up into. So I'm creating a model of sustainability, of helping the families to be sustainable. And one of the ways we do is we, we have a big piggery. We help people with piglets. And not only with piglets, we help them, teach them how to grow veggies, vegetables, using pig dung as fertilizer. We also help them with free-range chicken that you can let them out. They can go and eat the greens, the grass, and then come back and lay the best organic eggs. And in that sense, I not only preach, but put the practice, the whole idea of grace, taking care of people. And I do not take care of only the Christians. I reach out to those who are in desperate need. As the sun shines upon the Christians and the non-Christians, the love of the church should shine upon the Christians and the non-Christians. And as you begin to go and touch people, the joy that comes from seeing someone benefiting from what God has given you and you begin to share with others. To me, it has been a very joyful experience to share the love of Christ, love of Christ not only theologically, but take it to their homes, take care of their children. We take care of young widows, ladies who have lost their husbands. 
You know, in our part of the world, a widow is considered as somebody unfortunate. You lost your husband basically because you have sinned in your previous life. They're like the untouchables. You know, pain and guilt. You have pain, you have lost your husband. Now there is guilt because it's your own fault. In your previous life, you have done something horrible. And we come alongside. And in fact, we have a camp once a year for these young ladies who have lost their husbands. And we bring them to our campsite and reinforce the fact that God loves them. And as a church, we take care of them. <clears throat> I, I, I wish you could see what we got to see when we were over there. Um, the, Adrian is a lot like Pastor Mike. They do way more preaching off the stage than they do on the stage, which is something I'm very proud of, but, um, I, and I respect a lot. But Adrian, when we were over there, we were at one of the camps where they have the kids, and um, it's widows that are helping run the camp, and you've got all these orphans that they're taking care of, and they've got the pigs, and they've got the fish, and they're chickens, and they're showing them how to do a trade. And we were sitting in the uh, lunchroom one day, and these little boys come rolling in. They feed the boys first, and uh, they come in, and they eat with their hands over there, um, and they had a big pile of rice. So think of boys your age, or your boy's age. Little fellows, they came in, they sat down, and they would pile on this mound of rice. And in two seconds, that rice was gone. <laughs> I was like, I've been around a lot of football players, but nobody could eat that fast. Uh, but I had this moment where I was sitting there realizing, if the people from Cathedral knew and could fast forward every dollar you gave, and you could see the life change that was happening, that Adrian was a part of, and Adrian pretty much ran, at the safe houses, we went and spent time at the safe houses with these young girls who've been abused. We went and talked to orphans. We went and prayed for all these pastors who had been hurt throughout the process of ministry. And there was so much work that was being done because you guys gave and you guys were able to support somebody so incredible as Adrian. I think you should know that. And I want to say, Cathedral... Every time I come back, this is my home. I come back and I stay with Pastor Mike and Dean, and it is the most refreshing time because I look up to Mike as a counselor that I can get help. You know, working constantly among non-Christians, you know, it's not an easy life. Some of the challenges that you encounter, but the challenges also opens the door for faith. It has been a long journey of faith. And I, let me tell you this. Our God is a faithful God. Amen. Absolutely faithful. My family lives in Australia. And they tried as much as possible to persuade me that I should give up all of this and come to Australia and live comfortably. And I said no to them. And I still remember my brother. He said, look at your son, who is five, and look at your daughter, who is two. What future will they have in this country because of your stupid religion? That night I cried. And crying I told this, Lord, I will continue to do what you have asked me to do even though I do not see a bright star. I see just darkness. But by faith, I will walk this journey. And today, my son received an education in your country at Gordon College and he completed the masters at Notre Dame. And my daughter finished her education at Biola and Asbury Seminary. You know what I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen? Sometimes we think we sacrifice something for God, but God will never be your debtor. What you sacrifice, he recognizes, and he blesses you much more than the sacrifice that you and I have ever made. Our God is a faithful God. Amen to that. That's, that's such a good word and something so good for every single one of us to remember. Um, I have one last question, but before we get to that, I, I, I want to make sure that as a church, as cathedral, we, we just have a great understanding of just how big the global impact is. Um, 
And so could you, could you give us some insight? You have such a great picture of what's happening on the global scale. Uh, we talked about things that were happening in Egypt. We talked about things that were happening in Iran. Um, so could you just give us a good picture of not only what's happening on a global scale, but your involvement in some of those? And then I have one last question for you. It's amazing what's happening. Two things are at play at the same time. There is persecution and there is growth. It's happening like in the New Testament time. There is persecution and there is growth. If you take a tennis ball and the amount of energy you, or the harder you hit, higher it rises, so is the church. The harder you hit, the higher it rises. Today, the fastest growing church is in no other country than Iran. You might say there is the persecution from the Ayatollahs and all of the other things that are there. But in the midst of all of the persecution, the church is growing rapidly. It's rapidly. In China, I'm involved and I teach with the underground churches. It is estimated that there is over 100 to 120 million believers in the underground churches. People are responding to the gospel. And in some of the Middle Eastern countries, the gospel penetrates the hearts of people through signs and wonders, visions and dreams. Some of them go to sleep as a non-Christian and they rise up as a Christian. Can I tell you a story from Egypt? These stories will soon be, they are trying to make it a movie. I want you to recognize that as you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, amazing miracles have taken place, right? And sometimes the modern theologians are trying to take away the miracles and they are trying to present Christianity as just another religion. It is not just another religion, it's a supernatural religion. Our God is on the throne, he's seated there. There was a young boy in Egypt who met with an accident. And as a result of the accident, his stomach was hurt and his guts came out. He was brought to the hospital, but the doctors couldn't save him. He died. And the doctors, you know, because in the Islamic world, you have to bury them almost immediately. And they say, sign the papers saying that he's dead and he needs to be handed over to the parents for burial. But when he was going back, he felt somebody touched him and said, go back, and he looked around, there was no one. He thought, well, I'm imagining. So he walked again, somebody touched him, and he thought, maybe I should go back. When he went back, this dead boy was seated, alive. No damage to the stomach, he's perfectly okay. And this boy is asking me, doctor, what happened to me? The doctor is saying, that's the same question I have from you, what <laughs> happened to you? You were dead. You were brought after an accident. He said, tell me what happened. He said, I don't know, doctor, but I went up. And I saw somebody. And in his presence, I was playing a musical instrument. And I was singing. I don't know what I was singing. I didn't know what I was playing. But after some time, he said, your time is not yet. You need to go back. And I just woke up. And I saw you. The doctor said, I don't understand any of these young men. I can tell you, you, you are dead, but you are alive now. He went looking for this instrument that he saw. It's an old instrument called the piano accordion. And he saw that and he started playing, and he could play that. And he started singing what he was singing up there, and it happened to be gospel songs. He traveled from city to city into village to village in Egypt singing and sharing his testimony. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is not dead. Our God is well alive. Our God is well alive. And he's on the throne. He's in the business of empowering people of faith who will take his word and trust him and take steps to make a difference in the world. I am here not just to say these things and go away. I'm here to invite you to a life of faith that can change the destiny of your life, the destiny of this church, and the destiny of this land. This land has blessed our nations. Your nation 
has been the most generous nation that have blessed and sent missionaries all over the world. I deeply desire to see the, the same happen again. There is a revival of the church and the desire of Dave that was said, we want to become sending churches. You are called to be a part of the harvest and all of the blessings that God has given you is so that you will become a blessing to the nations. Not just to enjoy, enjoy everything you have, but be a blessing to the nations. There is a dying world and there is only one savior. Salvation is only through Christ and Christ alone. And you and I can make the difference in the lives of our people. Real quick, Adrian, we, the other day when we were talking, you told, you know, a lot of us learned family from the, their family and, and how to do family and all those intricacies, which is unique about our church. He runs the church the way he's always run his family. Um, and we run the staff the same way. And you told us the other day that that's one of your things now is you're going around in all these countries and, and a lot of places where women are second-class citizens. And you're kind of teaching what you've learned here. Uh, for instance, the, he told us in Nepal, when the man gets home from work, the woman cleans his feet and then drinks the water that he cleaned. And I tried that with Megan. It did not go very well <laughs> the other day. Uh, but, but speak a little bit about that, what you were talking about. With I just want you to know that I have a deep appreciation for Mike. Uh, he's my friend, but above all, he's my mentor. I have seen him handle family in a way, and I've seen him handle this church in a way that I have not seen in any part of the world. And I say this not to make Mike happy, but I want Mike and the church to recognize what kind of impact you are having around the world. I grew up in a home where my father never expressed his love for me. You know, for strange reason, can't go into details, but I can never remember a day he played with me. I can never remember a day he said something good about me. When my son was born, I went crazy. I just put my son on my mind, and I started running all over. For the first time, my dad said, come here, I have some advice for you. And I thought, oh my God, at last he's going to give me some advice. I'm now a married man, but at least now. And this is what he said. He said, always keep your love inside, never express it to your children. And then I realized that's what he was doing. As Luke mentioned, when I look in our part of the world, the women are treated very badly. In Bangladesh, they say a woman's heaven is under the feet of the man. And in Sri Lanka, it says man is God and the woman is subject. And in Nepal, the honoring thing is to wash the feet of the husband and drink that water as an act of devotion. In India, during the time of William Carey, when the husband dies and is cremated, the woman, the wife has to jump into the fire and burn herself to death. So for us, conversion is the first step. But with the conversion comes the transformation. I will not stop at conversion. I accepted Jesus because in our people's mind, there is a worldview. A worldview says a woman is a subject, not equal. So what I have seen and heard, I take now. And in fact, I was in Uzbekistan, a country that the Soviet Union has collapsed. And I was sitting with and chatting about the place of a woman, a lady, not, not being just subject, but equal, with equality. And how we establish a home of grace when the father and the mother live in perfect harmony, there comes security to the children. The home becomes a secure place. Fathers, can I plead with you as someone who has suffered because of my father's ignorance, never neglect your children. They are a gift from God and they deserve all your attention and all your love. Your spouse is your gift from God. And I come to believe this because I've, I come to believe this. 
If I don't take care of my, my bride, what makes me think that God will allow me to take care of his bride, the church? Pay attention to the families. This is what God has given us. And that I learned from the church here. Adrian, would you just say a word? I know uh, in the last couple of years you lost Ophelia. So just bring us up to speed with that and how you're doing with that. I lost my wife two years ago. Uh, she had ovarian cancer and we battled with that. And finally the Lord took her home. But for me, I have this deeper satisfaction. So let me explain. It's not only satisfaction, there is grief. The deepest satisfaction I know is that she's in heaven. Can you imagine Jesus talking to the guy on the cross and says, tonight you shall be with me in paradise. What a blessed hope we have. The word paradise comes from a, a Persian word which is, which is used to describe a well-watered garden, a garden of paradise. We are going to heaven. Life is temporal, but our eternal life is we live with Jesus, we live with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the angels and the archangels, and it's a glorious life. I've been studying the theology of heaven for the last one and a half years, and I come to the conclusion it's one of the most beautiful places. Isn't it great that there is hope, but there is a loss? My wife was a part of everything I do, but her final words was this, I'm going to heaven, do not be sad and give up. Continue the work that the Lord has entrusted to you and we will meet someday again. That's my hope. I, there are moments that I go into grieving, but then I remember her words, do not give up. Fulfill the task and one day we will meet in heaven. That's my hope that I have. Yeah, that loss is a tough thing. If for everybody who's who has been a part of that, uh, pray. Just pray for people, and 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 always check in on them. You know, whether it's myself, whether it's Adrian, someone that you know. Uh, if those thoughts come in, Adrian, I just want you to know that that is something that I have prayed quite often for you. Uh, losing my dad a little over a year ago, I, that's the biggest grief that I've had, and I can't imagine that being my spouse. But even hearing you talk through that of just what you've done with it, how you've dealt with it. Yes, there's still days, but I love that line that she gave to you because that's what you were called to do. And just know that we pray for you, Thank all right? You um, one last question that I have for you is, I wish we honestly had, if we had about four hours, we could go through, and team, if you have the, the map of everywhere where his ministry touches around the globe, um, I'd love for you to put it up just so you can grapple. And we just have told you just a few of the stories, okay? Um, you can obviously tell that there is so much that is happening uh, and, and so many places that his hands touch, that his teams, that he's developed, the relationships that God has blessed him with throughout the entire globe. And one of the questions that kind of pops into your head is, okay, so what now? What, what next what does it look like in this next generation? One of the big things that Sri Lanka was known for is this reconciliation that him and his team uh, envisioned, empowered, and you're seeing the effects of that in your country, and now you're beginning to take that to other countries who are completely wrecked and need that reconciliation. It's not just stopping with Sri Lanka, and it's not just stopping with your generation. Talk a little bit about how this is going from, from here. What is the future looking like? How are you investing in that next generation for this message uh, of this harvest field to continue for the ages to come? Are we going to have the video now? Or? We will have the video whenever you want it. Okay. Can we have the video then? <laughs>
I wanted that played, and again, I want to highlight something that is happening here. I really feel that the older leaders need to be sanctified enough to give away their power and authority so that the younger can flourish and do exactly what God has called them to do in their generation. And I also believe that the younger must be honoring enough to know that they stand on the shoulders of the older who establish everything for them. And I believe that the young and the old must coexist. To me, it's a biblical model. Moses and Joshua's coexisted. Elijah's and Elisha's coexisted. Paul and Timothy coexisted. Some of the sad things that I've seen is when the younger things, they need to take over, and the older thing, I need to hang in there till I'm gone. I have watched the pro progress of this church. I have seen Pastor Mike and Dean very unselfishly thinking of the younger generation and the glory of God and the good of the nation is willing to step down and open the doors for Dave, Luke, Macy, and Megan, and all the young people. This is what I think should happen in all the churches around the world. Being influenced from having seen this, I saw Mike take this church, you know, growing younger over the period of time that has been here. I watched, I listened, and I recognized that that is the crucial need of the churches around the world. And that's why we brought this younger generation. We brought, invited 500 younger people in my country, want to empower them and give them the power and authority to reach out to their nation, to their generation, and for us to play the role. And I do the same thing now in other Asian countries, reaching out to the younger generation. They, when the young and the old coexist, the joy of the Lord is present. The pool of God is there. And for me, I believe that this church will experience a significant growth because the principle of the young and the older have come together and join hands with a sense of a common destiny. I have served my generation now the younger generation takes over and ministers. To me, that, I believe, is going to be the uh, wonderful stage, stage that your church will now experience the blessing because a wonderful principle of God has been implemented and God will honor that principle for being implemented. Adrian, could you just take just a second and uh, prophesy and speak what do you see for the future of this church? As I said, you have a church of grace and it's grace before truth. You pioneered grace and you established the, the very fabric of this church is grace. You know, everybody that I meet is so different. It's so gracious. It's the very fabric of this church. And now you have taken another important principle of passing the baton on from the older to the younger. It's not the older has been eliminated. The older is still here. And he's still the lead person over here, a man of God and a woman of God whom God has blessed to establish this church. And now the younger generation, as far as I see and I see into the future, the spirit of the living God will move in your hearts and in your midst. The spirit of the living God that brought the emphasis of missions, God will reward you in ways that you have never imagined. I'm not speaking in the general, but I'm saying in the specific that this church will flourish, not only for this nation, but for the nations around. And it'll be my joy to hang in there and be a partner with you and open more doors in many places where it is closed. This is just the beginning of another 
new chapter. Every night when I go to sleep, I kneel down before God and say, Lord, it seems to me a beginning of a new chapter for the glory of God, for the extension of his kingdom. You have a great church and a great heritage and a great future. Thank you. Yeah, please give it up for Pastor Adrian. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I love uh, about this church is that not only is it multi-generational, uh, it's, it's multicultural. It looks like our city. We are not a white church. We're not a black church. We're not a brown church. We look like what the city of North Charleston looks like, and I love that. Uh, and the other thing that I love about what he said there is, and just want to make sure that you heard, uh, is that this isn't just a, a baton passing that uh, the next generation just sits there and lays down and says, okay, young people, you go. No, we need you. <laughs> we need you. We need your wisdom. Uh, we need your insight. Um, this time period, and, and I love this every single time I get with Pastor Adrian, is, man, the, the harvest is so big right now. Not only on a, on, a, on a global stage, but on a national stage as well. There has never been a better time than now to, to, to be alive, to see literally Bible times play out right b before our eyes. And our mandate is very clear. It's not just to stay in Jerusalem, even though that is very, very important. It's not just to stay in Judea and Samaria. It's to do every single one of them. And that's what I'm praying for every single one of us, is that our hearts will be open to this, that as God begins to show us, as God begins to open up our hearts and give us a passion uh, for this, of what did he mean when he said those words, which, by the way, were some of the last words that he ever spoke on this earth before he went up to heaven. We're the plan. That's it. There is no other plan. So let me leave you with this last verse for you. Uh, as I was thinking about this, this service, uh, this verse really spoke to me. It comes out of 2 Corinthians. It's Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and he says this. This is my hope. My hope is that as your faith continues to grow, something happens, okay? Here's what it is, that our sphere, our, our, our whole entire sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, and honestly, that was my prayer for you this morning, is that our world just expanded, that it's so easy to get so laser-focused on our internal worlds, our, our worlds that only that we wake up to every single day. There's a lot more going on in our worlds. But he doesn't stop there, because here's the reason why. So that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. That's a pretty cool mandate, is it not? Y'all received that this morning? All right, before we go, uh, again, this is just a culture of the house, uh, is I don't want to ever miss an opportunity to be able to pray over an individual that is so near and dear to this heart uh, of this house. And so if you would, would you do me a favor as a last step? Uh, Mr. Adrian, would you mind if we prayed over you? All right. Church, your role, you can stay seated if you'd like, or you can stand. Come over here, Luke. Come over here, Pastor Mike. Church, would you just simply just extend your hand? And, and what that means is not only are you agreeing with us, but you too are believing. You too are praying. I'm going to pray, but if either of you two have something that you would like to add, please do. Lord Jesus, we just come to you as a church. And Father, first and foremost, we are so grateful for Adrian, for who he is, everything that you created inside of him. Father, before he was ever even born, you knew the massive plans and the purposes, even though it would be a massive uphill battle to accomplish them with the culture that he grew up in, with the, with the stories of what we heard of his, of his, of his family. But we knew that this was going to be a very big uphill battle for you. But Father, we know that's where you shine the greatest. We knew the plans that you had for Pastor Agent were absolutely massive not only in his own village, but on a global scale. And Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for investing in him. Thank you for chasing after him. Thank you for putting the people around him. Thank you for putting a dream on the inside of him that cared so desperately for a hurting world that he would sacrifice truly his own life, his family's life, to really go after the hurting places of this world. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we also thank you for joining these two journeys. 
all those years ago where you knew that you were going to have Pastor Mike and his roads cross. And Father, as a church, we are thankful. And we say thank you to that. Lord, we thank you for just what that relationship has brought to us, what we've been able to be a part of, what we've been able to be able to sow into financially, relationally, time periods like this week where we can just kind of get together. Yes, we're doing a service, but Father, the majority of the time is just being able to connect with each other. And Father, of all those lessons that have been learned, that they're not just lessons for us, but they've impacted people all across this world. Father, we're thankful. But Father, we just turn our attention first to uh, just the dream that you've continued to place on the inside of Adrian. Father, would that dream not wane, but Father, would you stoke that fire? And Father, we just agreed right now that on those days that it is hard to continue, that it is one of those things that even us here in the States, that we agree in prayer. Father, we, we cover him. And Father, we just ask for that fire to never go out. Father, we pray for a grieving heart that desperately misses a spouse, but Father knows that she is in a place, man, that surpasses our understanding. But Father, I just ask for that peace now to continue to go over inside of him and for those words of his wife to ring so loudly that there's still work to be done. And Father, would you bless the work of his hands? Father, would you bless this continued relationship? Would you bless his family? Lord, everything that his hand touches, Father, we just ask for your anointing to continue to flow. Father, we know that there's a hurting world out there, and you're using mighty men and mighty women across this world to accomplish your will. And Father, would you continue now to just anoint him, bless him, open doors, Father. Give him ability to do more in these last years than his entire years combined that he's been on this earth. Father, we thank you for the boldness and just the unabashed going after this kingdom that there will be many less that go to hell, but many more that enter into the kingdom of God because of his sacrifice, because of their team. Lord, we just agree with that now, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Absolutely. Father, I come before you, and I thank you for this church. We thank you for Pastor Mike and Dean, the way they have gone after you in a most revolutionary manner, but in the most biblical manner of understanding your grace, extending grace, celebrating grace, and creating a community of grace. First the family, a stable home, and a stable church. Oh, Father, today as I have spent this time with my brothers and sisters of this church, I'm asking, oh God, for empowering of your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit will touch your sons and daughters, and their lives will be touched, and Lord, they will become the people of God that is making a difference in the United States, in Charleston, and around the world. May your Shekinah glory come upon every single person. May the love of God touch their hearts. And Lord, may you just bless them to become a blessing. Lord, I pray. I know that not, I know, I know that your hand is upon this church. And I pray that this church will be a blessing to this nation and to the nations. I pray this model of the younger and the older coming together to celebrate the goodness of God will become like a watershed to the other churches and to the world around. And you'll use this model, this church, and your people for your glory. I bless them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dave and Luke, I know, again, just hearing Adrian, that I want to sow seed in his ministry. So if anybody else wanted to, how would they do that? Uh, just simply on our, on our online platform. We have that space where you can still select. I believe it's, it is under Sri Lanka or is it under missions? 
what was that one? It is under Sri Lanka. And so if you'd like to do so, that's probably the easiest way. Um, as well as if you just want to hear other information, we'll be around. Pastor Adrian will be around. But church, I hope that you uh, have a better insight now, a little bit into what you're a part of, what you're investing in, um, the work that Pastor Adrian is doing and that his team is doing is just absolutely great. And and we're going to continue to do our best job to bring you even more and more of those stories uh, because every single day he's just adding to the kingdom and I love to see it. So Lord bless you guys. Hope you have a great, amazing rest of your weekend. Go enjoy this amazing weather. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.